Mark chapter 8, verse number 31. We'll end at verse number 32. The Bible says, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. I want you to pay attention to that text. Look at all of the negative stuff in the front end of the text. Jesus is talking to his disciples, the ones, the ones he handpicked. And look what he's telling them. He's teaching them how the Son of Man, referring to himself, must suffer. That's the first thing. He's got to suffer. Everybody say suffer. 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 He must suffer many things. And then watch this. And be rejected. Everybody say be rejected. Oh, that sounds pretty bleak, doesn't it? That's negative. Just, that's the second negative thing. By the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. Everybody say, and be killed. Amen. By this time, his disciples are hearing all of this long list, this laundry list of bad things that are supposed, supposed to happen to Jesus. But look at what he says at the last part of this verse. He says, and after three days, do what? Rise again. Look at, look at Peter, verse number 32. And he was stating the matter plainly. He was not talking in parables. He was not talking in riddles. He was not talking in mysteries. He was talking plain. This is what's going to happen to me. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, you may be seated. We're going to be ending with Galatians 2.20. I want to talk to you about the vacant tomb and the occupied heart the vacant tomb and the occupied heart keep your bible open to this text because this text is key i want you to know at the beginning on the onset that faithlessness is 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 not just something that's always obvious i want you to know that that we all are frail and we all have moments of weakness and don't be so hard on yourself when you have moments where you fail in your faith. I know that sometimes we oversimplify this thing called faith and we feel like everybody should have it. And if everybody has it, my brothers and my sisters, then it may not be faith. Faith is one of those expensive characteristics that it's impossible for everybody to have it. It's impossible for everybody to have it because everybody does not trust God in the same way. Now, you can have faith in yourself. You can have self-confidence. You can have a certain amount of self-esteem. And this world pushes us to believe in ourselves. There are songs out. Believe in yourself because I believe in you. How many of you ever heard it? But if you were honest today, you would have to admit that sometimes believing in yourself was the thing that got you in trouble. Ain't no honest people on this side. I need you to know that sometimes believing in yourself was the very reason why you got in trouble. I'm not talking about self-esteem, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we're supposed to walk around just low with low self-esteem. What I'm saying is self-confidence to the wrong degree will get us in trouble. This whole movement, this whole idea of Easter is not pointing to us and saying how we need to be more confident. 
because our confidence will only get us as far as our ability. Hello? It will only get us as far as our ability. When our ability runs out, our confidence is no longer warranted because you can't trust yourself or anybody else further than their ability. Do you understand this? Some of you are dating somebody right now. If she doesn't know how to be a wife, you can't trust her past being a girlfriend. Oh, yeah, you're getting trembly in here. Well, talk about the guys. Well, I talk about the guy. If he doesn't know how to be a man, you can't trust him past boyhood. Boyfriend is the limit. That's why at the end of the day, what should eclipse our self-confidence should be faith in Jesus because there is no limit with Jesus. Are you understanding it? Why are you saying this and laying this foundation? Because here in Mark chapter 8, the Bible says that Jesus tells them ahead of time, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to rise again. Peter, verse number 32, takes him aside and he rebukes him. Why is Peter rebuking him now? Why is he up in his face? Why is he up in his personal space, took him aside, and why is he criticizing him? Is he criticizing him because he's going to rise from the dead? No, that's good news. But Peter was so inundated with all of the negative before the positive that he didn't even hear that it didn't matter if he was killed. It didn't matter that he would suffer. It didn't even matter that he would be rejected because after he's killed and all of those things, he's going to get up again. Peter heard the bad news before the good news and was right there with Jesus was right there. He didn't read about Jesus in the book. He didn't hear about Jesus at church. He was right there with Jesus. This is the same Peter who before this said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Isn't it interesting how our faith is shallow at times? Our faith only lasts as long as the last big thing God did for us. The last miracle, the last sea he opened, the last river he opened, the last time he got us out of debt, the last time we were sick and got better. It doesn't take long for us to lose our faith. But don't be dismayed, the very ones who had face-to-face -face contact with Jesus lost their faith. So Jesus told them, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going I'm to suffer. This is what's about to happen to me. I'm teaching you, and I'm being as plain as I can. I don't want you to get it twisted. I'm telling you, see the disciples there as he says, look, I need you all to know that I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be rejected, and it's not going to be by the hands of Gentiles. It's going to be by the hands of religious folk. Religious folk with titles. Religious folk with titles, and I'm not trying to tear down religion, but I, I don't want you to be bamboozled by the misconception that if it's religious and if somebody's religious, that they are immune from disappointing you. Sometimes the worst wars are among religious people. Hello? It wasn't the Romans who said crucify Jesus. It was the religious people who talked about the soon coming Messiah that, watch this, became totally oblivious that the one who they were saying crucify about was the one they'd been talking about. And Jesus said, this is what's going to happen. 
Now, Thomas, we know what happened. Jesus dies on the cross, a gruesome, one of the most gruesome scenes of history. And what made it worse is that the man in the middle with the middle cross didn't deserve it. That's what makes it worse. As a matter of fact, we protest when people get things they don't deserve. We don't protest when they deserve it. Man gets shot, breaking into somebody's house. The homeowner happened to be a, con a concealed handgun licensed person. Man who broke into the house and started r rummaging through things. The homeowner catches him. The homeowner shoots him. Nobody marches for that guy. Why not? No justice, no peace. We don't do that. Because what makes it a crime of injustice is the innocence of the individual who was hurt, who was offended, who was killed. So what made the cross so hard is that the man in the middle was innocent and he was dying for the worst of guilty people. Now take a moment right now, look to your left and look to your right and look behind you. Mm-hmm. Like real life do that. I see if you're not doing that. And I'm not moving on until everybody does it. You don't come to church and you're not above participation. Who are you? This is a God moment. The worst of guilty people you just looked at. That's the worst of guilty people. Sitting here today. That's the worst of guilty. That's who Jesus died for. That's who we were stretched out for. That's who the nails were driven in his hand for. That's who the crown of thorns was placed on his head for. For the worst of guilty people, stop thinking about other people. He died for you. He died for me. And he didn't just die a simple death. Would have been easy if they took him to a hill and just stoned him to death. But the Bible said his death was lingering. He spent more time dying than the moment he became dead. See, the worst part of being dead is the dying process. He had an extended dying process, whereas he's hanging on the cross. His, he's, he's having some trouble breathing, and the very nails that are holding him up, he has to depend on to take a breath. Why? For the person you looked at, and for the person, the person next to you looked at. So we know the story. They took him down, and they put him in a tomb. By the way, it was a borrowed tomb. And what's amazing to me is that archaeologists, archaeologists, archaeological people, archaeologists, thank you, blah, blah, blah. Who corrected me? I'm going to say like my wife, don't correct me, I'm a preacher. Archaeologists, check this out. They found the bones of dinosaurs. Wait a minute. Technology is so advanced that they're able to find the bones of dinosaurs. They found what's called the Dead Sea Scrolls. I don't know if anybody ever heard of it, but those were parts of Scripture 
that had been put in a cave in the Dead Sea, right by the Dead Sea. They found those Dead Sea Scrolls where scriptures are on. Wait, 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 wait. They found what's called the Rosetta Stone. Let me tell you, the Rosetta Stone was not a, an app for learning Spanish or, or some other language. The Rosetta Stone was an actual stone with hieroglyphics on it that translated other hieroglyphics. It is ancient. Thousands and thousands of years old, but they found it. Whenever somebody goes missing, watch what happened. The forensic scientists get to work, and when a criminal or a murderer thinks they got away, and they buried the person deep enough in the earth, or they threw them into the deepest lake or the deepest water hole, or, or, they, or they sliced them up, or they did whatever to them, and they cleaned up the crime scene. Forensics, forensic scientists go in, and all they need is a piece of DNA, some trace of an existence. You, guess what? They don't need blood all the time. They need some trace of an existence. They found the bones of Buddha and the bones of Buddha were cremated as he died of, of, of a very, very harsh sickness and it was supposed he died of food poisoning. They found the bones of Muhammad and the bones of Muhammad is right, uh, right over in Mecca under the green top tomb and they protect the bones of Muhammad and they protect the ashes of Buddha but guess what thousands of people every year go to a place called the Holy Land and guess what they look at they are amazed they are fascinated to walk into a tomb where nobody is no bones are there forensic scientists can't find it yet there are people that will state with all of their heart that this man Jesus who we worship this man Jesus who we give our lives to is not not real. It was a figment of an imagination. Well, if he was a figment of imagination, then forensic science should have found a hair, should have found a trace of blood. They got the crown of thorns supposedly. They went into his head, scrape off some of the wood, and put it under a microscope. Find out where he is. And the reason why they will not find out where he is is because he is risen. We serve not like Muhammad where his bones can be seen. We serve not like bold Buddha where his cremation can be seen. We serve not like anybody else in religion, not like the, the, the uh, Hindu religion. We serve a Jesus who is not here and the reason why he is not here is he said it and the way he said it is how it happened. He said he was going to suffer. He said he was going to be rejected. He said he was going to be killed and Jesus was so bad that he even predicted how long it would be, he would be dead. He says, I'm going to be dead. One, two, three days. But don't get it twisted. When my three days are up, I'm getting up. And I'm never going back in the grave again. That's who we serve. You talk about Easter. It's not about bunnies and eggs. It is not about beautiful colors and new suits. It's about a risen Savior who is alive enough to still be working in our favor. Why is the resurrection? Take notes. Take notes. Why? Why get up, Jesus? For what? First aspect, the resurrection is because Jesus confirmed who he was by his getting up. We in our day celebrate who people are. And when do we celebrate who people were? We celebrate who people were 
when people die. You know, you know the term, give, give somebody their flowers while they can smell them? That will never apply to Jesus because Jesus created the flowers. And he got up. And he got up with all power in his hand. So Jesus doesn't have, we don't, we don't get to go and smell Jesus' flowers. Jesus can smell every person's flowers who passes away. Because Jesus is there. He knows our hearts. And he knows our struggle. Number two, here's the, here's the second reason. The second reason Jesus got up is he got up to talk to the Father about us. Romans 8.34, you got to look at this. Romans 8.34, real life, go to your Bible. If it's in your phone, go to it, you know. And the phone thing is wonderful. Isn't that wonderful technology? Unless you get a text message in the middle of a text scripture. <laughs> right. This is a text message from God. Romans 8.34 says what? Who is the one who condemns? Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Uh-huh. Yes, rather, who was raised. Uh-huh. Who is at the right hand of God. Where did Jesus' body go? They can't find his body. Where did it go? When Jesus got up, he got up with a body. He didn't get up with a spirit. He got up with a body. How do you know? Do you remember Thomas? Thomas said, unless I touch his hands, unless I put my hand in his side, I will not believe. He got up with enough body for, for when, watch, watch how glorified it was, that when the disciples were there in the room with Thomas, Jesus walks through the door. Y'all missing that? His body was so glorified that it was glorified enough to walk through the door and appear on the other side, yet tangible enough, touchable enough for Thomas to feel that same body that walked through a door without putting his hand on the handle. That's the Jesus we serve. He said, Thomas, touch me. Touch my side. You said you won't believe? Put your hand in the nail print in my hand. And guess what? He takes those marks on up to glory. So heaven's phenomenon is that for the first time in history, while heaven consisted of angels, which are celestial beings, and spirits, and God, and the Holy Spirit, and God is a spirit. He is spirit. For the first time in history, when Jesus got up from the grave and went up to glory, a man is in heaven. Yeah, it's that. Not just a man, but a representative of everybody in here who considers himself human, a man or a woman. For the first time in history, not is it not, it's not the word, it's not some spirit. Jesus comes as a man, and you know what this text says he does, and in Hebrews 7.25 says it, he does? He's up there making intercession for us. That means he died for us, he suffered for us, he bled for us, and then he turned around, died, 
was put in a tomb, got up out the tomb, showed himself, went back up the glory, and still doing stuff for us in heaven. You got to want to go to hell. I mean, you got to want to go to hell. What does that mean he's doing stuff for us? He's pleading our case. And if that's not enough, here's the other side. The empty, vacant tomb, but the occupied heart. What Jesus does is he tells his disciples who are really broken because he's leaving in bodily form. John 16, verse 7. He tells his disciples that I got to go. And why does he tell them I have to leave? They're not wanting him to go. He's there in flesh. They don't want him to go. Lord, you, you are our king. We've been waiting for the Messiah. We, we don't want you to go. Jesus says something very unique in John 16, 7. He says what? But I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. It is to your advantage that I go away. Watch this. For if I do not go away. If I don't go away. The helper shall not come to you. The helper should not come to you. Do you know what the helper is? Who the helper is? We say, now what? The Holy Spirit. Do you not know that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ? That's right, Doc. So Jesus says, I've got to go up. This body is going up in a glorified form. But you want me to go because if I do not go up in this body, I cannot live in your heart. Do you get this? So now you want to know what happened with the resurrection, where Jesus is? He's up in glory at the right hand of God. That is where his glorified body is. He is making intercession for us. But then when Jesus went up, he left his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit now becomes the Jesus in us. So even if they found something and tried to call it bones of Jesus, the reason why I know he ain't there is because he's in me. The reason why I know that this is just some hoax is because he's in me. He left you and I, his Holy Spirit, so that when we are walking in Christ and living in Christ, guess what we start doing? We start sounding like Jesus. We start doing the kind of things that Jesus does. When you forgave somebody, uh, amen, that you wouldn't have forgiven years ago and you forgave them and you walk in light because you don't have the burden of holding a grudge, you think that's you? No, no, no. That's the person that's occupying your heart and the person that's occupying your heart is Jesus. It's not your level of maturity. It's not you've grown so much as a person. It's because someone is living in you and you're behaving like somebody I've read about. Does this make sense? So here the disciples are. And Jesus goes up because he has work to do on your behalf and on my behalf. Don't let anybody tell you that it's, you're hopeless. As long as Jesus is on the throne the right hand of God, which is a position of equality, then there's hope for you. Now, he may not be living in your heart, but the reason why Jesus can't live in any heart is because Jesus will not stay where he is not Lord. Jesus will not stay 
where he is not Lord. He didn't go through all of this so that he can be a court jester in your heart. He has a throne up there. And the way he lives here is if we give up the throne up here that we often sit on. When we do what we want to do, when we live like we want to live, when we make the decisions we want to make, when we follow after pleasure and lust and whatever we want to do, when pride becomes the one who is occupying the throne of our hearts and our decisions are made by the monarch sitting in our heart, which happens to be us, you got to get off of the throne if you want Jesus to be there. What does that mean, preacher? I hear what you're talking about. It means that it can't be all about you. Stop that. It ain't all about you. It can't be all about how you see things. It can't be all about how you feel. You have to take on the very life of Jesus. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. So what happens to Paul? He says, I'm crucified. You cannot, watch this. You cannot reign in your own heart if you haven't been crucified. You got to be crucified. This is an invitation for you to be crucified. I know we like the Lord and church is good and Easter Sunday and Mother's Day and Easter and all, the, and all that and Christmas and all that. Yeah, praise the Lord. But that's not the hard part. The hard part is getting to the place well, I stop going after what I want. And I follow the king who has now taken a seat in my heart, and that is Jesus. Amen? Let me show you something, and then we're going to close. I need to show you this because this is very important to what we're talking about. The Bible says in Romans 6, 10 and 11, do you know, you, you ever hear, and I know you do, there's songs about it, one of these old mornings and it won't be long, going to look for me and I'll be what? Gone, right? right? We sing that, you know, grandma used to sing that. One of these mornings and it won't be long, look for me and I'll be gone. Hey! I got beans, beans, potatoes. Let me show you what that means. How is that? How is that? Romans 6, 10 and 11 says this. For the death that he died. For the death that he died. He died to sin. He died to sin. Once for all. Once for all. But the life that he lived. The life that he lives. He lives to God. He lives to God. Read. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin. There's that crucifixion. You have to consider yourselves to be dead to sin. Does that mean you're not going to do the wrong thing? All of us struggle. But there's a difference between someone who struggles and being a strategist. Mm. And sometimes the devil puts a gag order in front of our mouths because people who are strategizing in sin don't want people who struggled in sin to point out their strategy. Hello? Yeah, yeah. and that only works when it comes to us getting right. But if somebody was harassing your wife, even if you've struggled, my brother, with having diabetic eyes and looking at sweet things, 
when they start harassing your wife, you're not going to have that, especially if that's what they do. And you're not going to let them use what you struggled with to stop you from correcting what they're strategizing in. There's a difference between prey and predator. So that gag order, that no, 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 no. It doesn't mean we don't fall. It doesn't mean we don't fail. We fall, we fail. Let's tell the truth in here. Stop fronting, stop acting. Nah, nah, go somewhere with that. All of us fail. All of us spend time in the tomb. But watch what happens. Read. But alive to God in Christ Jesus. But alive to God in Christ Jesus. Read. Therefore. Therefore. Do not let sin reign in your do mortal body. Do not let sin reign where? In your mortal body. In your mortal body. That should obey its lust. Okay, so we're alive to Jesus. Now, guess what spirit got Jesus up? Did Jesus just get up? Did he just get up? Or was there the spirit that got Jesus up? Watch this. This is going to make sense. What spirit got Adam up when he was a pile of dirt? Oh, oh God. Pay attention here. Pay attention here. God shaped him, formed him. But he was, he, he was, in the, he was not animated. He was just a lump of dirt. He didn't get up until God breathed into him the spirit, which is the spirit of life. When God breathed into Adam the spirit of life, guess what Adam did? He did what? He got up. He had some get up. Adam was just a pile of dirt until God gave him his spirit and he was just get up. And he got that get up. Jesus received the spirit. How do you know? When he was baptized. The Bible says the Holy Spirit came down upon him. And he didn't do a single miracle. Till that moment where he was baptized in the water and the spirit came. God gave Jesus his spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. Y'all see this? The same thing that happened to Adam when God gave him his spirit happened to Jesus when God gave him his spirit and he began to do things that he didn't do before God gave him his spirit. When we obey the gospel, God gives us, Jesus gives us his spirit. And so the same thing that got Jesus up gives us the power of get up. Not just the power of get up when we die, but the power of get up right now. This is why you ain't dead yet. This is why people see you who thought by now you'd be a complete failure and you're not a complete failure because somewhere along the way you met Jesus and he gave you the spirit of get up. That's why some of you can't stay down too long. That's why some of you are not comfortable down because you have the spirit of get up. That's why some of you have learned to ignore the people who put nails in your hand and the people who pierce you in the side and the people that planted a crown of failure and put it on your head and you get past it and you get up from there and how they suppose you should end up. You are the very opposite of dead. You are quite alive because God put the spirit of get up 
And one of these days, when this body dies, guess what's going to happen? When he, when the trumpet sound, we're not going to stay down because he put in us the spirit of Christ, which is the spirit of get up. Thank God for the spirit of get up. Don't apologize for the spirit of get up. You keep getting up. You keep getting up when they talk about you. Keep getting up when they criticize you. Keep getting up when they look at you crazy because you don't look like them or you don't dress like them or you don't drive what they drive or you're not in the in crowd or you're not in the clique or you're not part of the team or you're not part of people's clique and people's favorite person. If you don't get likes on Facebook, if nobody ever looks at your page, just keep walking in the spirit and whenever you fall the Bible says the righteous falleth and he gets up seven times why because of the spirit of get up some of us are staying in the tomb too long what you still hurting about what happened three years ago you walking in the flesh because when you walk in the spirit, you get a strange spirit of get up to the point where your haters start hating more. Not because what they did wasn't enough, but because it didn't affect you like they thought it would affect you. And God raised you up. The spirit raised you up. So now you're not walking down like that. There are some people that prefer you to be in the tomb of discouragement. And they'll even roll a rock in front of it. They'll roll a rock in front of it. Some of you have made mistakes. I get it. There's a young lady in here that got pregnant before she got married. And everybody criticized her. And everybody said that you're a failure. You're not going to finish school. And everybody treats you different. And they roll a stone in front of their opinion of you. Designed for it to be your tomb. Yeah, okay, lay there for a while. But after a few days, it ought to feel awfully uncomfortable. There ought to be something in you that doesn't want to stay there. Something in you, some get up. Turn to somebody and say, get that get up. Stop staying down, stop complaining, stop rehearsing what happened, stop worrying about what people are going to think. You are depriving yourself of your destiny, staying in the tomb that put people put you in. The Bible says that they rolled away the stone. Guess what? Jesus didn't need the stone rolled away. They rolled the stone away so that people could walk in and see he wasn't there, not so that he can walk out. Your get up doesn't even involve rolling away your own stone. God will roll the stone away. And sometimes he'll do it after you're out of the thing. And people will go check where they buried you to see if they're still in there. And when they find out you're not in there, they can't believe that you done got up. I got up from belonging to you. I got up from being talked about. I got up from being assumed. I got up from being profiled. I got up from being discouraged. I got up. Get that get up. And get up because the Spirit of the Lord is in you. What I like about this is Jesus, and I, let, me, let me end with this. I like, I, like, I like Avengers and Marvel. I'm a sucker for that. I will go to the movie that shows late at night so I can beat the rush of people who are going to see it Friday afternoon. Anybody else like that? If you ever watch a Marvel movie, and if you don't and you haven't, do that. <laughs> do that. You're kind of late in the game now uh, when it comes to the Avengers. So you, get, you, you get, your, get yourself some Netflix and you get yourself some, some Amazon Prime and you watch yourself those, you watch yourself those, those Avengers. 
But I like it. Uh, what, what Stan Lee does with the Avengers and all of his movies is after some of the credits scroll up, <laughs> there's a little clip. People that don't know this walk out of the movie thinking it's over. <laughs> but that little clip is a hint to the next part. That little clip gives you a segue into the sequel. Sometimes that little clip lets you know that somebody who supposedly was demise in this one is going to show up in the sequel. I know Jesus lives because when I read the text and I read the tomb and I read the cross and I read the crucifixion and I read the burial and I even read the resurrection but his bones are not found. I know that Jesus is in the sequel. What is the sequel? The sequel is when I get down and discouraged and I feel like all hope is gone when depression gets the best of me and anxiety starts knocking on my door and tapping me on my shoulder. Jesus comes and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. Don't say he doesn't live because he shows up in the sequel. All I need to do, the Bible gives us a clip of the sequel. The book of Revelation is a clip of the sequel. One of these old days, Jesus is going to crack the sky. The Bible says the stars of heaven will fall to the earth as fig trees casteth her untimely figs. The Bible says the clouds are going to be rolled up like a scroll. The Bible says that the trumpet will sound. And every rich man and every king and every ruler and every prince will cry and run to the rocks and the mountains and they're going to say, fall on us, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne for the day of the wrath of the Lamb has come and who shall be able to stand? Let me tell you something. He's in the sequel. One of these days he's coming back again and he's coming back and we're going to know him and you know how we're going to know him? Because the one that left had some holes, had some wounds, had some piercings and he's not going to erase those piercings. He's coming from, from heaven exactly like he is in heaven. He represents us in heaven and he's coming to earth to so that we can be caught up with him. He's in the sequel. You are in a fix right now. Look at the clip from the sequel. And the clip of the sequel says, I will never leave you. Never, ever forsake you. I know, I know, you broke right now. I'm going through something and I barely made it here. Look at the sequel. Sometimes the Lord seems absent in your life. Sometimes it feels like God is not there. Sometimes you can be in such trouble that it feels like God is not there. Sometimes you can be in such a fix to where everybody looks like they're doing better than you are. I wonder if there's an honest person that's ever felt like God forgot about them. An honest person that ever had a moment where they said, where are you? All the while, people are telling you what God can do and what God did for them, and yet you're sitting there saying, what about, what about me? Take a look at the sequel. He's there. The sequel to your tribulation, he's there. And he says, I will provide 
all your need according to my riches and glory. So the resurrection is not only about Jesus getting up and going to glory. It's about him getting up, going to glory, and sending his spirit here so that you don't just have these visits with him on church, Sunday at church. So it's not just about seeing Jesus and being in his presence for a moment. Jesus says in John 14, 23, if you love me and keep my commandments, I will come in, my father will come in, and we will make our home in you. What? He says, I will live in you. And if I live in you, that means when you are going through the pain of your life, I'm right there. And I will not put more on you than you can handle. So, everybody stand to your feet.